Voices, a fresh perspective on voting, politics, and power. Hi guys, um, this is Guide 3, and I'm just stepping in because before you listen to this episode, which as you probably saw was aptly titled Stepping Into New Definitions, I wanted to let you know that this was a conversation about getting to know ourselves. It was just a student-to-student, team-to-team discussion from our hearts and minds and souls about what makes life special and what is worth living for and striving for when creating goals and experiences. Basically, we had a philosophical discussion about college, our path in life, the meaning we give to life, and how we want to make change in the world. That is, our world. It was just a lot of introspection and empowerment, and we really got into our views on the butterfly effect in that so many things had to go right, and so many things had to go wrong for you to be exactly where you are. Both failures and successes are equally important in your progress as a person, as a human being, as an individual with thoughts and ideas that should be valued. So everything was meant to happen the way it happens, has happened, and will happen, no matter how it may seem in the moment and what emotions it might evoke. There's always going to be good and there's always going to be bad, but that's enough of my philosophical tangents. So. Keep listening to hear Samir, Anika, and I's really, really incredible and, in my opinion, profound conversations. So, almost every single student does this, and it's a huge mistake. Do not build your high school career around your college. Your college should fit you, and not the other way around. It's like these little things that add up. Oh, I really want to drop this class, but it looks great on my college applications. Let's suffer through it. Or I would love to go do this activity, but it aligns not at all with what I want to do in college. So there, I shouldn't take it, even though it would be fun and reflect my interests. Over time, it's like depression rates are real. I mean, I was asking my mom about it earlier. Like, I don't, I don't have it, I know. But there have been times where I've asked myself in seriousness, like, do I need to go get tested or like helped or however you ask for that? Because like they don't tell you this stuff in call in high school. They don't like instruct you on how to not be depressed or how to not fall into this line of like college stigmatism. You know, they just tell you like how to not smoke and drink. And that's about it. Just, older students or just general high school students to younger like eighth graders, middle schoolers getting into it just to give them advice like, hey, take that class if you want to take that class. Don't worry about college. And I think like the other thing about that too is like, it's not, it's one thing to say, oh, don't worry about not getting to your favorite college, but then actually like realizing if you want to go to say like Harvard or Princeton or Yale, but they don't fit you, you have to be ready to let that go just because it's a good college, that's great, but it's not the right college for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, you, you shouldn't compromise like your passion and joy and what makes you happy like, just to look good on paper because that's what our entire, like the four people, like our entire generation that is like working towards college right now, that's what we have to do. And we have to compromise what we want to do to get where we think we want to go, but not actually where we want to go, if that makes sense. Like, we think that certain colleges um, are good and we have all these high expectations, but we change ourselves for the sake of them. And then it just ends up not being a good fit and we end up depressed and we feel regretful. And so, yeah, just obviously don't go down that path, but it's a lot of hard, it's really hard not to because of all the pressure from the outside like i tell myself i'm like okay i want to take like film studies because i like to watch movies or something like that but i'm like oh that's not going to look good on a college application like i'd rather take like ap bio even if well i like bio let's say like physics physics isn't my strong suit say i'm like okay i'm going to take AP physics instead of doing this elective that i want to do because it might heighten my chances of getting into a top school that honestly maybe i don't even wouldn't even be a good fit for me that's the other thing too to 
many other students base their worth on the college you get into. Like I remember when my brother was applying, I was looking at all the colleges he was applying to and I was thinking like, oh my God, the bar is set so high. Like if I don't get into all of these top tier colleges, like it wasn't even about what other people think of me. It was more about like what I think of myself. We go through high school learning that like your rank is based on your test scores, your grades. They literally had class rank, which is so toxic. And then you get to colleges and it's like the SAT, the ACT, your AP scores, whatever you take that might rank you, you like the college you get into sort of becomes your worth and your value, mm. which yeah. is so harmful. Oh, okay. So basically me being a senior, right? And me already going through, I already have my list pretty much solid. It might be a few minor changes, um, but pretty much it, it's solid. But over the summer when I was picking my list, I thought of colleges as like people that I'm dating, right? You never want to date someone that will not accept you or that is not a good fit for you. So why would you do that to a school you'll be spending four years with? Like, you know, it. So do not put yourself... Like, I, I don't think it's very... I don't think it'll be... I don't, I don't think it'll be a good thing to put yourself in a position where you'll be pretty much morphing yourself into something that you're not for four years. Like, that is so taxing, and it takes power away from your heart and your desires. And I think, you know, I have had a dramatic transition because I realized that most of the stuff I was doing was because it looked good to somebody else, you know? Mm -hmm. I came to school, it's like, oh my God, I'm gonna be an astrophysics major and I'm gonna go to UC Berkeley and Stanford and I'm gonna get all A's. Um, I even went to an engineering and science school. I mean, come on now, like this. But but now it's in like eighth, I mean, 11th grade, I was taking an AP Chem class and my teacher was amazing. Um, shout out to him. But I realized that this is so boring. Like, this is not me. I, I don't wake up thinking of um, the electronegativity of helium. Um, I wake up thinking about what song is stuck in my head, what movie I just watched. I wake up thinking about what's the next thing I could write about. I wake up thinking about the conversations I had with friends. I wake up thinking about how I can liberate myself from toxic gender roles. That is what I do. I do not think about Adams at all. <laughs> like, literally, the closest I've come to it was reading the back of um, a snack, like, little package thing when it tells you the calories. That's as close, <laughs> That's as, close as I'm coming to doing anything scientific related, okay? So, you know, and knowing that, I'm just like, I deserve to actually be happy. And I actually want to do stuff that makes me happy. So if that means making music on GarageBand and just listening to it for fun, then yes. If that means literally making a podcast where all you talk about is just philosophy with your friends, then okay. Like literally, I feel like the most important thing that high school should teach is that you get to create your own story. Um and we don't do that anymore because everything is so focused on let me get to the best school and let me be the best. Um, I, I love the way you put that, especially like what you think about waking up in the morning and trying to live your life geared towards what makes you happy. Because as we were talking about, like the school, the relationship, that analogy I really liked, like you want to have a healthy relationship with the school you're attending for like four to eight years. And the thing is, a lot of times it's not at all healthy and it's it's just it's really terrible actually like the way we've just forced ourselves to change as i said earlier i don't know why i keep bringing this up but to look good on paper like colleges they just you know you can work so hard and then in like a split second or just a matter of minutes they can reject you or accept you and to base your self-worth on that is so 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 unhealthy and i just and the thing is i'm a student who looks pretty good on paper but if even I feel this way um like in terms of test scores and grades like I'm good and it's I've always been good at that but the whole school system is sort of geared towards people who think a certain way and um not everyone is like good at tests the way they test our knowledge like 
is is just not good either. And even if I, if like college work for me in a sense, and I feel the struggle so much, I can't help but think like, what people who struggle more with school, like how much like struggle they're experiencing. So yeah, I just, I really hope things change soon. Like, I don't think it's gonna change when we're in, when we're like applying, but maybe like a decade from now, if colleges finally start to work for the kids instead of the kids working for the colleges, you know? Mm, that was powerful. Yes. I know. You said the college is working for the kids instead of the kids working for the colleges, yeah, like that. that going in the notes. <laughs> um, also, you know, I told you I went to the Pomona College Flying yesterday, and I saw um, someone who was a gender studies major on the pre-med track. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. And they told me they were like, you know, I knew that I was going to study neuroscience, biology, chemistry, all that after college anyway, right? So I'm like, why do I just learn about the systems of oppression first before I get to that point? I was like, that's so true. And you can be a humanities major and still be on a pre-med track. So like for y'all, when y'all say y'all want to be pre-med, that's something to think about. Like you can be a music major and be on a pre-med track. You'll just have to take, you know, a set of classes that will still you know, align you with, you know, taking the MCAT and, you know, actually going to doctor school. Um, or what, is that what it's called? Doc med school, yeah. Med school, I'm sorry. I said doctor school. Um, You're not wrong. It is doctor school. It also, just like, mm -hmm. why do you want to go to med school? Is it because of parents? Is it because that's all you know? Is it because you see no other pathway? It's for me, it's all three of those. Yeah, I think like, I don't, I, I, I have so many interests. Like I'm interested in like political science and environmental science and films, like film studies and also, and like pre-med, like I'm interested in stuff in pre-med, but the path seems so hard. I know I can do it. I know I'm capable, but sometimes I feel like ever since I was like five years old, my parents have been like, you know, like, I can't wait for you to be a doctor, like when you're like 30 or something like that. And that's the only thing I've really been exposed to. And it's been the only thing my parents have encouraged me to do. And I'm not saying I'm not interested, but I'm not sure if like, that's the only thing I want. And because pre-med is such a, a taxing and time consuming and like effort intense major, I just, I don't know, I sort of struggle to see if that's, it's a good fit for me because I know I can do it, but I don't know if it's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's kind of how, I don't know, my feelings toward pre-med are a little bit mixed. I never felt pressured into it, but I definitely felt like there weren't many other options. So for me, like, I know I'm not really big on liberal arts just because my exposure to it has been very limited. I loved the idea of law and I loved the idea of studying like ethics, but I wasn't sure if I could see myself like in a career after that, let alone like going to law school. But I don't know, I've always had interests within the pre-med field, like the sciences, studying the brain. But then outside of that, I know that like going to college and going down the whole pre-med track has never really been what I want to pursue. It seems like I don't mind the hard work, but then I want to put in hard work for something that I'm very passionate about and something that like I have purpose in. So I don't know, the pre-med track seemed like it might have been a little too extreme if I wasn't fully committed. But I guess the other thing too is that there's this stigma that like, I don't know if it's just a stereotype or within like the Indian community or just a general like Asian community, but like going down pre-med is such a big thing. It's like the way to go you either go through engineering or pre-med realistically maybe maybe finance but that's like not even that much so i feel like it's something i've been geared towards a little bit subtly unconsciously definitely like consciously sometimes but yeah it's definitely a mix of like my own passions for the fields i want to go into but then just pressure from outside stereotypes and like expectations have you had that similar experiences? Have you ever felt like 
you were pressured into it or like it was a mix of both? You know, for me, I ever like when I was younger, and this is also something that we should we all should be thinking about. When I was younger, the stuff I did a lot was like singing, dancing. Um, I used to write short stories all the time. They were really bad, but I enjoyed doing them. Um, I wrote songs. Literally, I remember one time I stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning writing a song with my mom. Like literally, it was that serious. Um, I would literally go to school and make dances for my friends when they would be down. It was so just like all over the place. But I do know that no one told me to do that. I woke up and was like, oh my God, my friend looked so sad yesterday. I'm making a dance for them. That's what my brain, that's what my soul, that's what my body wanted to do, right? And then when I got to third grade, I remember distinctly, I was in, I think I was, yeah, I was in math class and the math teacher, he, he asked two of us to come solve a problem. It was a pretty big problem for a third grader, right? So we get up there and he's like, solve this, right? It was multiplication because that's when you learn multiplication in third grade. And they had a whole bunch of zeros. And in about 10 seconds, I solved it. And the math teacher was just in shock, right? Because he was like, whoa, that was like way too fast. Um, and, he, and I got the answer right. And he's like, wow, you're really smart. And I felt so validated. I felt so just good. It just felt like I was valued in that space. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do everything that's math related, right? Because I thought that, you know, you're supposed to be doing things that you're good at, right? So pretty much after that, I just morphed myself into this person who did math and all of that and, and, and surrounded myself off of just like STEM because it was something I was good at, right? And... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't very fulfilling. It was only fulfilling when I got the answer right and when someone else told me I did a good job. That's Samir. So I, I totally relate to that. Like, your story about, like, the math problems. Like, I remember in second grade, we had this game. It was called Math Wizard. And, like, you would compete with your friends for, like, addition and subtraction, multiplication. Like, the basic, like, arithmetic from, like, early grade school. But I remember I was the first person to, like, become a math wizard you have to like win 10 games and like within like the first two weeks of school I was already on the board and I, my teacher was like oh my god you're so smart like you understand things so quickly and I sort of like that became my personality like I don't know like just being the smart kid and like being good at school like I based myself that just caused me to bait that was sort of the starting point like the root of that just grew into this like giant tree of basing my self-worth on academic validation. And I never really had a problem with that. Like I, I usually get good grades and I, I get good test scores and that's all good, but I've never challenged myself to pursue what I really, really enjoy, you know? And I have some interest in things other than pre-med, which I'm currently thinking of going on. Like I, I'm really interested in, like I love, psychology and like um, anatomy and physiology and all that stuff but I can't help but think like was my personality like like were my interests shaped towards what everybody else told me I was good at like I also I'm also interested in the arts but whenever I, I, I would also sing and like write stories and stuff like that as a kid but no one ever encouraged no one encourages their kid to go down the arts you know like it's considered too risky in terms of careers but it's still a valid like career to pursue, but I was always just shied away from that and thrown towards like medicine, engineering. And now some college applications, like in a year, I'll be applying to college. I'm a junior right now. And I can't, when I reflect, it's sort of just, you know, I, I don't, I feel a little, little bit bittersweet about it. Like I'm happy that I'm, I'm headed down like a possibly fulfilling and, and safe track, but you know, like what could have been if the environment around me hadn't like validated me academically and instead pushed me to pursue like fields I was really interested in. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm rambling now, but the point I'm trying to make is just like 
how what other people tell you at a young age can completely change like how you view and how you view life and completely change your career you know what I, you know what i mean i totally get that it's like it's this whole joke for kids that do gifted that like you grow up seeking validation and now you can't do anything without that validation and like i i was joked around about it but then when i actually got into it i realized like they are totally right when you grow up in an environment that's constantly fueling this reward it almost feels like you know the psychology of casinos i i find that so interesting where the way they hook you in is by giving you little rewards little rewards and lights and flashing banners and like sounds that reward you that keep stimulating your brain to get in like stay with it that's exactly how it feels like going when you are like academically gifted and gifted and i just mean like you show that you're smarter than like the average level um but in doing that you like you're constantly praised and you constantly like you never get bad feedback and then when you get a bad score you don't know how to handle it like personally i this year i've had bad test scores before but this year it's really hitting me like to 50s 60s 70s whatever the class average is and i'm sitting there like i don't know how to handle it and i'm like questioning like do i belong in ap classes do i belong like am i able to handle all of these sports and i'm like rethinking everything and just told it feels like an existential crisis a little bit and it just makes you think like i would have liked a little bit more challenge going up and not challenges in like course rigor but challenge to like my ideas that yes she's smart but here's an idea maybe she's not that smart or maybe she needs to try something new or maybe we should expose her to more than just school work like show her worth does not come from a test score it comes from being able to learn and adapt and improve at something that you're not good at whether that's a sport cooking talent whatever so like i don't know i guess like going to college now i'm thinking about what am i really good at like beyond school like outside of school what is there you know it's this is just one giant existential crisis <laughs> i say so yeah, period. And and it's an existential crisis that everyone is having. I think one of the most important lessons we can probably learn is that the stuff that we find is most vulnerable is the things that connect us the most. Um, so, like, you know, we think that this existential crisis is only limited to us, but literally every teenager in the country right now is having it. Because for so long, we've been forced to think, like, okay... You go to middle school and you get good grades and you go to a good high school and then you go to high school, you go you go to, you get good grades and you go to a good college. And you go to a good college and you get good grades and you get a good job and then it's just like a whole just cycle of just what am I even doing right now? Like and 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 it, it, it gets so bad to the point where we literally only see one pathway. There is no creativity that's embraced and that is not what our ancestors fought for, believe it or not. Um, you know, I was I was in a in the little Zoom chat or whatever with a professor. She's a gender studies professor, and she said, "Learning about history, our history, is important because we are our ancestors' dreams. But we have to see what they fought for first before we get." To... So when we say, "What is our worth? Our worth is our history." Our worth is knowing where we came from. And our worth is not even just improving, right? Because improving could look different for everyone. And it's not linear. And not and you can show up and be sick one day. So you, you're you not as good as you were the other day. It, it's, it's so much that can go into that. But I, I feel like knowing your worth is knowing your history. Knowing the, the, the answer to why. Um, knowing where... And how you end up um, where you are, um, and because if we know that, and you can know how you'll, um, you know, continue in the future. But I feel like with college, we kind of have everything planned out. If it is it geared for your understanding of life, you know, so it's okay to get a seventy-three on a history test. Did you get what you wanted out the test? And if you didn't, then why didn't you? 
um, and how can you, right? I know I got a lot out of 1984, but I got a 72 on that test. And that is why I'm proud of that 72. I learned that power and surveillance can keep us from living. That's what 1984 taught me. It, it, it teaches, it taught me what life and how miserable life can look when we live based off of fear, right? So now I know I have to make more decisions, like not out of fear, you know? So that's what that taught me. But I'm okay that I got 72 because I didn't know, you know, um, what, what member or whoever wasn't a prisoner. Well, I didn't know whether the rat was behind a curtain or not. But I did know what it looked like to live a life based off of fear. So it's okay that it wasn't geared for your understanding is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's just the most, it's so powerful that you say that. Speaking, like all of these classes that I'm taking, I took them for a reason and I'm just like, you lose sight of the reason you put yourself on this track. Like, why did I choose to take hard classes? Why am I choosing to go to the colleges I wanna go to, you know? So it's like, sometimes you just need to, <laughs> to quote the cliche and overused, stop and smell the roses and just like, find that perspective of where you are in life. Because I, one of my favorite quotes is literally, we live on a floating rock in space. There is no need to stress. Which is ironic and a little bit hypocritical that I'm saying that, given that I stress every second of every day. But um, yeah, I just really like that you pointed that out. And maybe we can make a coffee chat on that too. I feel like that would kind of build into our last coffee chat about colleges. I feel like that'd be a good segue to just throw in there. Yeah, yeah, I just, I love that quote. Oh my God, like it, it's, it's a little silly, but like it means a lot, you know, in the context yeah. of our lives. And Samir, like the thing you told, said about your family, like I was thinking about that too. Like the people who got me to this very moment, I actually wrote like an English essay on it. A little <laughs> I was ago. thinking of that. Yeah. and. I was, I, I, my dad and like had recently decided to like map out a family tree and he like talked to me about like our relatives and we went through the past few generations and considering how much like my education is stressing me out, I sort of realized how also valuable it is because my great grandfather was like a middle school dropout. He couldn't sign his name. Like he had to just use a thumbprint if he like for signatory purposes. But he, he, he lived in a small village in India as a farmer and he did backbreaking work every day to make very little money for his very large family. But he was happy, he was content with it. Like he lived a life that a lot of us like would view as so terrible, but he was happy with it. He faced his obstacles and enjoyed aspects of life that we would find difficult and meaningless. And there was my grandfather who was a high school graduate. He was a teacher and then he became a principal, but he also managed the family farm. And he would even give out, like, he would give education to the illiterate for free. And, you know, he had this journey as a noble educator and he, but he still lived in that small village, you know, he didn't expand his horizons and he didn't live up to maybe what he wanted to or what someone would want to out of life, you know, like people want to travel. He never got to do that. And, but I guess it was enough for him. I didn't know he died when I was younger, but from what I remember of him, he was happy. And then my dad, my dad went to college. He got a good job. He traveled a lot. Um, he's gone to so many, like he's been to basically every continent except for Antarctica. And you know, and then he had me and he settled down and it's just the progress over a generation. You know, you go to like middle school dropout to high school graduate to college graduate and my dad had a bachelor's degree and then I'm like, okay, maybe I should get a doctorate just to like, you know, extend that cycle of generational progress. And it really puts things into perspective. Like these people struggled so much for me to be here and I'm stressing out over this small insignificant test grade when really I should be valuing and placing my worth in what I gain as a person um, in terms of my understanding of what I'm learning versus what like this paper and pen test is telling me how I did out of 100%. You know what I mean? So yeah, I... Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was I, a full poem. I'm period. so like... I'm just sitting here watching you as you're saying that, thinking like, oh, that is beautiful. The fact that like, 
you see where your family started and where they've gone. And what's, what I love so much about that story is that at every step, there's always something good to look forward to. Like they were never, from what I understood, it's they were always content with where they were. They always found the bright side of it. So it's like, when you think about it, like you're worth on one Winfield test out of 40 points <laughs> compared to the progress you make over years and years of just being able to step into Westchester, literally this community, sit down, take this test and just be here in this environment and learn and then know that your college is secured. Like for us, it's it's so inspiring to hear that our question is not whether or not we make it out of high school, nor whether we go to college at all, but which college do we get to go to? And we get to ask ourselves questions like, we get to turn down colleges because we don't like the size or the view. We get to make these decisions based on our personal liking. When in the past, you see people who will settle for anything just to get an education. So it just, it makes you value what you have so much more. Yes, and you know, I really value what y'all are saying um, because it shows that, like, obviously we're going to be getting somewhere, um, but that somewhere is determined off of, like, whether or not it'll be aligned with our values, right? Like, yeah, you can be a doctor, and yes, it will look good, um, but will you actually be happy with that? I know guys, she was talking about um, her grandfather, and how he had a, you know, what will be perceived as a very, you know, like mediocre life, but he was very happy, right? And that makes me think of a quote I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's about Sylvester, which is like a disco icon from like the 70s. One thing that they would say a lot was, do not conceptualize me, I am the concept, right? That's how we all are. Like we try to conceptualize ourselves, other people try to conceptualize us, they're like, oh, she could be a very good doctor. She looks like this and she could do this and it could bring so much money. No, 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 no. Anika, you are the concept, right? Like you you deserve to be able to make your own definitions of whatever words you use, right? And the first place that starts is your name, right? Yes. We were talking about, we were talking about our name yesterday. My name is Samir, right? And, it, and it, it's an Arabic, it, it's a name from, it has Arabic roots to it, but it means entertainer slash companion, right? And I'm just thinking like, wow, that name is so me. Like I am an entertainer and I am a companion to many people, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel like our parents gave us the name, right? And it wasn't by accident. Like, mm, you know what? Let me just pick some random name and this child will bear the, um the the weight of it and not even know what it means i think it's a more spiritual um you know reason for that there's a reason why your parents named you anika there's a reason why your parents named you dietary um and i feel like after that we start using words right that sound familiar to us and we start doing things that are familiar to us but later on in life you know we're kind of forced out of that path to to do something, you know, much bigger and better, like being a doctor or, you know, um, getting all A's and going to Harvard and all this other stuff that people may or may not even want to do, right? But it's like, are you actually the concept? Like, do you actually embody the name that you have? Or, or do you actually align with the idea of college? Like, do the concepts match, right? I know with me, like, I literally do not have any other interests and um, outside of college, like my personality matches with college. Like I truly do want to learn more about the world. I want to learn more about my history. So co like college is literally the best fit for me, but I know I do have friends who college is not the best fit for. Their concepts kind of don't match, right? I have a friend who really is into fashion, into like social media marketing, um, you know, college can be helpful for her, but it's like, I think most of that she can really learn from her network and, and pretty much herself. Um, that is her concept. I think she's pretty much built that for herself. I don't think, you know, 
attaching herself to college forcefully is not going to really do anything, you know? Um, yeah, hopefully that was, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> That has to go into the coffee chat too. Just like this idea of not living up to fit into someone else's shoes, but making your own and stepping out into the world with your own two feet, you know? So I feel like the conversation we're having now is gonna be so helpful to people like all over who listen to our podcast, especially this one. Like I'm thinking our first coffee chat can just start here, but the timing and everything like junior year, I mean, every year is junior year because there's always going to be juniors but um you get what i'm saying like right about now as we sort of round our way towards college applications and the dreaded like essays and all that stuff yeah i think maybe it'll be fun yeah this is a really good conversation especially like even if you're like a sophomore or a freshman or even if you're in middle school or if you just started college like it's valuable because you have to sort of set up a path for this entire academic year and even just like i think samir was talking samir and i had a conversation last meeting last meeting like it was just the two of us and it was about like living your life like as life rather than work i think that's what we were discussing and we like your life should be filled with things you enjoy you know instead of stuff that you dread and you think you do just for the sake of other people like you need to be making progress and getting things done to make yourself feel happy and content and fulfilled. And as we were mentioning earlier in this conversation, um, a lot of people struggle with that because of all the ideas that society throws at them, telling them how to change themselves and transform and morph into this mold that is just predetermined for them. And yeah, so. I really, I think this is, I think this is a really good conversation. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about another thing also, like one of the best things to get out of life and just like the days in general is like conversations with other people, you know, like good conversations, like whether they be like philosophical or reflective or like scientific, like just like talking to people. It's such like an underrated thing, I think, but like, I don't know, I've started to notice the little things, like, I'll, like, be talking to a friend, and, like, she'll make a joke, and I'll be like, oh, that's, like, I've, I don't know, I've just grown to appreciate words. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yes! I was, you read my mind, and I'm kind of astonished that you did, because as you were here sitting, saying that, I was sitting here thinking, like, I am so thankful that I've met, like, you two people, and this is getting super corny, so, like, warning, but, like, the fact that we just get to have this space and talk like i probably would have drowned in last year and this year without having little small outlets like this like gaitri you were saying like you notice the little things i was walking down the steps um of my last test from the physics test because i had to go to my next class and i was sorry not walking down i was going up because i had to go to a math test right after that and i thought that i'd be freaking out but instead i was talking next to my friend and she was making like jokes and just being very lighthearted about the weekend. And I was thinking like, I should be stressed right now, but here I am with some person who's bringing this light into my life and she doesn't even realize how helpful her being there is for me right now. So like, it's just these small little things that like pull you out of the darkness and sort of make you feel like you're not drowning, you're afloat and you're stable and you're fine and you're not alone in this. And it, like, it makes me sad to think that not everybody has that, you know? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast. First of all, I'm so, like, thankful to, like, have y'all, like, hear it. Like, oh, my God. Um, anyways. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was listening to a podcast, and that is what I was inspired by when we when I was talking to Gayatri. The lady was saying, I refuse to do work. And at first, I'm like, oh my God, is that like being lazy? But then when she started explaining, she was like, when you have a life, when you have a work or a job that aligns and is integrated with your purpose, what you enjoy, what you're passionate about, it does not feel like work, but oh my God, they're sending me money. Literally, that's like, that's so true. I I think I know what you're talking about, Samir. I've heard that like, you should, 
if you pick your career right, you'll never work a day in your life. And it's just interesting to think about, like, that's why there's so much pressure on where should I go for my major? Because like, I can choose a career that makes a lot of money and I can work hard for it. But then like, do I want to be rich and unhappy? Or would I rather like not live in a million dollar house, but then love my life, you know? And it's interesting, like, like with this podcast, I literally the second that we got to like start running it ourselves and really just host these conversations without like need for an adult or anything like that, like we get free reign. It's just fun. Like I love telling people I have a podcast. Like I get to say things like I watch. So I had this huge like blackish phase actually when I had time to watch TV and I was just watching it and one of the main characters had a podcast. And I was thinking like, before I started this, like, I want that. I want to have a space where I can post, talk, do something on social media. And now we come here and our team is literally amazing. And we have all these cool episodes. And like, when you look at our social media and you look at our website and you look at our podcast, do you guys ever just like scroll and just look at how much there is? I love doing that. I love going back and like looking at just all the different posts and the colors and the different bios that are there it just makes you feel like guys we did this on our own like we are going to be the people that are conquering the world next and this just proves it and then after that like i feel like money is the last thing which is ironic because money is a very big thing that comes to mind when i'm thinking about colleges because i'm thinking about like cost debt um entry-level jobs after that but then with the podcast it's just I don't even think about it. I just think about like, what do I want to talk about? What needs to be talked about? What isn't getting talked about enough, you know? So it's interesting that you bring that up. And it's actually so funny that we're talking about colleges because I just realized I'm wearing this Harvard shirt. Yeah. It's yeah. like, not that I'm going to go or even apply, but it's just one of those like random t-shirt merch that you collect throughout your life and it's just i just think that's so funny that the day we have this conversation is the, also the day i wear the shirt <laughs> this um like yeah yesterday i was wearing a cornell shirt <laughs> yeah like you know i think like colleges have sort of like worked the way into our lives like almost like they do. it's mm -hmm. yeah I never put meaning to it, but these are the things that are sort of engraving yourself. Like you never see college merch for like your local colleges or anything like that. I mean, like, unless you go out and buy it, when you go to stores, like literally when you go to Nike or Champion or like Urban Outfitters, you find shirts like these. And it's like all the Ivy level schools. And these are the things that are saying like, oh, this is prestigious or, oh, you should go here. But then like, after I go to college, I will likely never wear the shirt again, just because I don't go there. I'll have ties to another college that I truly value and want to be a part of. So it's just interesting that this is here, you know? Yeah, it's like the build up to the path and like the apprehension sort of manifests itself mm -hmm. in small aspects of life, like the clothes you wear, you know? And I just, and then you get there and you're sort of, constricted to one college but before there's so many choices that it's almost like overwhelming it's appealing but it's just also a lot to take in and then making that decision is so intense and it's so specific that it becomes really stressful but it shouldn't be because you should be able to find something that fits for you whether that be financially and like in terms of your interests and what will suit you in the end and yeah i, I don't know i i really like this conversation i just I feel like I haven't like this good of a conversation in a while. So thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. And oh, you can go. So I'm about to say, um, I actually do want to know the meaning of your names before we like. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Anika, you want to? Uh, do you want to go first? Oh. <laughs> oh wait. Here, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> we literally. <laughs> this is so. I love how often this happens. That's so funny. But um. So my name is Anika, as you know. So the, from what I've asked my mom, I've actually heard quite a different, like quite a few meanings for it. But my mom says that she named me Anika after the goddess Durga. So like Hinduism is a polytheistic culture. So like we have multiple gods. Um, so one of those gods was the goddess Durga and she was this very powerful god, Dis, who every time she did something good, 
and heroic, she got a new name and they sort of piled on. And my mom said that Annika was one of the stories that she found just the most brilliant and powerful and like resilient to change. So that's what she named me after. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that also like, obviously you're not a goddess, literally. <laughs> Metaphorically, you are. Yeah. So, like those like personality traits that exemplify themselves. Um, I can go next. Uh, my name is Gayatri, and my name has multiple meanings. I think like the uh, if you Google it, the meaning you'll find um, is singer, like just singer, like S-I-N-G-E-R, <laughs> like Adele is a singer. And um, I actually I was like really into singing when I was younger, and I would do cultural singing. Like um, my family is also Hindu, and like it would kind of be like not I don't want to say like church like it I mean it wasn't it wasn't very religious based like it was more cultural and it really helped me like gain a good sense of understanding and community of being Indian like it was really important to my personality formation but anyways beyond that my name so other than that it means mother of the Vedas there's a really popular hymn in um like a hymn a mantra like a I don't know the English equivalent. I think a hymn, a hymn is the right word, I think, and called the Gayatri Mantra. And um, essentially what it means is sort of this personified form of infinity, I think is word like infinity, like endless possibility. The goddess that you usually see a picture of has like five heads, five pairs of hands. She sits on a lotus flower and has a crown and she's just, meant to represent that there's so much you can reach for and get out of life and I don't know I think that's really beautiful as for my parents like why they named me that they were like oh it's a random name like it's a popular (laughs) popular name in India it's like the Sarah like in America like Sarah or Julia like that would be Gayatri in India so it was really nothing special for them but I really like it like makes me feel powerful you know right so my my follow-up question i guess this will be the last one before the the episode ends or whatever so how can we start aligning ourselves with our names because these are words that you know existed before us but we bear them now right so how can we you know start aligning with um the history of our names and definitions for our names i love that you started with history of our names i feel like it's one thing to just know the surface level meaning, like Anika means she was named after a goddess. She is powerful. But then where does that come from? Like I I'm a very like over analytical per- over analytic person. That's definitely not the right term. But I overthink a lot and I really like to go deeper and just understand why. I was a kid that always asked why like six million times, because just once was never enough for me. So I feel like I add on too much like credit or, you know, purpose to why my parents named me Anika. They didn't just like, I'm sure they didn't spend, you know, hours and like days and months just, you know, mulling over it. But I would start with like where the name originates and what it means to you. And then for me, I guess it's really just drawing parallels. So like this idea of being resilient to forces against me starting with like what are those forces like societal pressure or pressure i put on myself or pressure to like make change in the world and you know start a new line like the way that you see women creating a new definition of what it means to be a woman in power just having that like that call to action so like understanding where your name comes from how it like aligns with your own life like what are the parallels and then what's your call to action like how what meaning does it bring to you and how do you want to change that in the world what do you want to do with that stay safe and comfortable all the time that's not what living is about um so i think yeah that that's just amazing but how about you guy tree Well, as I said, any guy loved your explanation. That was really, really nice. Um, but for my name, um, as I said, it I mean it's a te- it's essentially like an overarching name for a Hindu goddess. It's very popular in India, and the meaning essentially is like infinity and endless possibilities. To reiterate, and I was thinking like I need to 
with so many things that are in the world, obviously I can't do everything. I may want to, but I need to pay attention to what I'm naturally drawn to. And I want to feel connected to the path I take and have passion and, you know, hold the purpose of my life in my hand to like a, like a compass to direct me to where I need to be, where I'll be happy, you know, because happiness is, it's, it's all you really want out of life, no matter how big or small society would do your accomplishments. But I just, you know, I want to use that idea of infinity and endless possibility to have the courage to follow where I'm able to point myself in the direction of fulfillment, if that makes sense. I feel like that was sort of like a philosophical meandering. But yeah, I think using the idea of having like infinite possibilities to find the few, one or few possibilities that work for me. So yeah. Samir, you want to um, just give a little bit more? Because you mentioned your name earlier, but if you could... Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have something profound to say, so... Uh, I mean, the thing is, um, you know, uh, I think... Well, okay, so basically, in terms of the way it looks, right? I think my mom, the, the Arabic pronunciation of it... Um, the, no, the Arabic like way of spelling it is S-A-M-I-R um for some reason my mom just scratched that put an i and did an accent um over the i um so the, the way it's pronounced at home is samir right so that's kind of where that comes from um and then i remember going to school and everybody be like well hey samir and my mom be like excuse me uh uh-uh. it is samir look at the accent um, and I'd be like, Mom, no, like, let them, let's not be rude, you know? So I think, you know, letting other people and just, just conforming to other people's way of perceiving me, right? That is what basically just like that whole mispronouncing my name came from, right? And then now when I got to high school, I tell people like, my name's Samir. And then now I'm just like, okay, if they say Samir, I'm okay. Because some people genuinely like, they literally cannot say Samir without it sounding like ridiculous for their like brains. Um, like I know no matter how much I say it, there are some people who are like, okay, they'll latch on to it. And then some people are like, I literally like, it just doesn't sound right coming out their mouth. Um, but yeah, so like now I introduce myself, I'm like, okay, I'm Samir, right? And then whoever says Samir, I'm like, okay, you're meant to say Samir. And then people who say Samir, I'm like, oh my God, okay, you're meant to say that, right? So that's pretty much, the relationship with my name but in terms of definition right that whole companion entertainer i've always been an entertainer first of all i'm the oldest grandchild right and i remember my fifth birthday party i was dancing for everybody just everybody was surrounding me in a cir- circle when i was dancing for people i was doing like a split i was wearing my spider-man wristbands um it was just like so iconic um and then I just like kept dancing. I got I got pretty much all the just dances. I memorized all of the <laughs> literally all of the dances. It was like so bad. Um That is fourth, awesome. That is a talent. Yes, my fourth talent. grade talent show was just like dancing to like Becky G or something like that. I was just like all over the place. I um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and then like I remember just even like even like you know just like going up and just presenting posters or presentations um you know reading my short stories singing the songs um you know you know making up dances for my friends and all of that was just entertaining and and it was entertaining for me but it was also entertaining for other people so that's one part and then the companion part right I think, you know, a lot of my life is dedicated to being a partner, being someone who guides someone, or, you know, is just doing something with someone. And I think, you know, being a companion, being someone who listens, someone who guides, someone who is also willing to be guided, that is pretty much what my whole life is about and always has been about. Um, I think... I literally, my mom was a single parent raising me, and in that way, I was a partner to her. Like, we were both learning about life, (laughs) and of course, she had a lot more, you know, to offer me, but since I'm, like, one, and she's, like, you know, 23 or whatever, but, like, 
um, I feel like we were still learning about life together and she was guiding me and and I was guiding myself and 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 in the way I was guiding her because I was her first right so it was just like ever since I was born it was about who's guiding who who's being a partner to who who's being companion to who and that is what I will continue to be doing and I think that's probably why I want to go into like you know education studies so I can like you know um participate in educating people but also willing to be educated like I, I don't want my classroom or whatever space I'll be teaching to just be me talking at someone mm-hmm. like I want to exchange information like what is your history too let's exchange history because that's how we got here um but that was a long-winded ins- answer for how I appreciate my name now it's so powerful because like it's a type of mindset that puts your name in the textbook, not as um, this person lived up to their name, but like this person made a mark on their world in the way that they saw fit them. Like they made the world fit them and not the other way around. And I think that is so powerful that everyone needs to learn. Yes. And every time someone says your name, that's them saying you like so and i just realized that like when we say gayatri we're saying like the the, like the power of like five hands and a lotus flower and and all of that like that's what we're saying every single time like when we say anika like we're saying the resilience to change right that's what you are like when we say gayatri we're saying you are infinity right so our names are so important and in our names are one way we are aligning ourselves with definitions, right? Another definition that we say a lot, but sometimes we don't align with is love, mm-hmm. right? We are taught to conceptualize love instead of being love, right? Like that whole idea of do not conceptualize me, I am the concept. I feel like a lot of times we were thinking like, let me just get a partner and that is love, right? Yeah. Like we try to intellectualize love when love is supposed to be us like we are supposed to embody love like you know love is not supposed to embody us right or like you know we're not supposed to like morph ourselves into some really rigid definition right that's the exact opposite of love actually um so yeah (laughs) i totally get that especially i was thinking about like relationships like i've never been in like a romantic relationship but I mean, maybe in the future or just like friendships and like familial relationships, the way you interact with people, I feel like, and the way you're supposed to spend your time and enjoy their presence and company and companionship is sort of set by society. I feel like we've really touched on this tonight and I don't mean to be like society is overbearing and like stress that point, but the, the way we view the way the way we view our relationship with other people, like it's different for everyone. And I think we, we need to like find people who make us feel like empowered and trusted and who we can trust with our feelings and our thoughts and our ideas. And as Samira, I really like the concept of us and the whole idea that you, you need to surround yourself with people that make you you and you can be, you can have a concept of us with them and yeah, like this conversation. I don't know. I feel like this was a really good conversation. I, I keep saying that, but like it was so like graceful and heartfelt and empowering and wholesome and I mean like basically every good adjective. Since I feel like I was just naming like five adjectives, but it was a good conversation. And yeah, you know, in terms of like the people, like, people are so important. Like I feel like we failed her. Like I'm definitely introvert. Um, totally enjoy alone time. But even for me, like people are so important other people and the conversations we have and the things we do for each other i mean all of civilization and humanity is built upon interpersonal relationships but i think sometimes we we get caught up in life and we fail to realize how much other people matter and how much we matter to other people and life gives you this road and it's your road like yours alone and others can walk that road with you but no one can walk that road for you. You know what I mean? Like nobody can go down your path and take you where you want to go except yourself. So I think that sort of encapsulates our conversation, but 
yeah, Samir. My quote, I mean, by um, Joshua Gamson. And the quote is, reinvent itself are always trailed by ghosts of previous ones. So when we think about how we can step into our new name, we know that our history is always a part of us. And sometimes our history is not something that we like, but it is our history and it's how we got here. When we think, when we think about all the moments that we've enjoyed, if we enjoy the now, the, the moment we're in now, right? That's because our history is the bad, the good, the irrelevant, the the like ridiculous has gotten us to this point. Um, so yeah, your ghosts of the the old selves or your history is always a part of you. That's the reason why you're you can listen to this podcast right now. So um, yeah, I think we're we're good to end there. To whoever whoever's listening to this, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, I really did. So, yeah, this is Gayatri, Samir, and Anika, and that's the end of the episode, I think.